What's up, everybody? This is John Ray from Mr. Haircut. I've got a real quick announcement. Next week, Friday, May 13th, that's Friday the 13th, we will be releasing a brand new track called Tidal Motion. Uh, it's a tune I wrote and got our guest today, Matt Sickles, who's a, an incredible guitar player, and my co-host, Jonathan Green, to play on it. This tune is the hardest tune I've ever written, probably the hardest tune I've ever played, um, and these guys just absolutely annihilated it. We're going to premiere it at the end of next week's podcast, uh, so definitely check that one out. You'll also be able to buy it from my website, um, Bandcamp, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and several other services. So definitely check that out. You don't want to miss it. And now, let's get into this week's Mr. Haircut. What's up? <laughs> Got my biscuit screen on the mic. Biscuit screen. Are we recording? We are. Because I wanted that biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> no! So, this is a podcast about music. I think we said this last time, too. Yeah, and how much have we not talked about music? Often, right? We haven't talked about it at all yet, actually. Hmm. Not this episode, at least. Let's do that. Or do you want to start off with a jam, maybe? So, uh, Actually, I like Matt did a nice Cockney Mr. Haircut uh, earlier. I won't hear it. What is it? Let me hear your welcome to Mr. Haircut. (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember how that one went. I guess I gotta make up a new one. Yeah. You can. And this is the welcome? Welcome to Mr. Harrington? Yeah. yeah. Ah. You're <laughs> 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 off to a good start. <laughs> uh, I choked on my piece of gum. I wish I did it right here. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Welcome to... The place where the paradoxical improvisational ideas come to fruition. Mr. Haircut, this is the hard part speaking. That was excellent. Good morning. I can't top that. <laughs> but I like your top this morning. So welcome to Mr. Haircut. This is your host, John Ray, uh, with your other host, Jonathan Green. Say hey, John. Howdy. And we're here with a very special guest and amazing guitar player, Matt Sickles. But I'm going to introduce him by his Mr. Haircut name, which is The Hard Part. Ah. <laughs> you laugh. Wait till I start playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we better play some music before, uh, yeah. All right, here we go. Oh, first we need a theme. Guest gets to call it. Oh, we're calling themes. So it could be anything from zebras to uh, penguins. I was about to say one that was a Back to the Future reference. I know, but I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to call that out of John Green this morning on our first. I was going to say Out of Time, which is the 
license plate of the Back to the Future. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like it, right? But yeah. but as soon as John plays, he's going to go out of time. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bad we'll call. I guess lost. we're going with yeah, that. Okay. Out of time. Out of time. Is what I'm calling. So is this a Back to the Future <laughs> he's, he's vibe? Salivating. Like, are we? <laughs> I'm already <laughs> moving, kind of getting my ideas. Okay, yeah. we should just go. We should just hit it. All right. played some gigs together mm-hmm. i'd say what like 15 or 20 gigs together i don't know if it's even been that many it's maybe been it's fewer maybe been less between 10 and 20 for between sure. 10 and 20 gigs together unfortunately yeah and before that before we even started playing together i like kind of stalked you online a little bit i would like 
look at your Facebook profile late at night and um, I mean, any, ever since I've I was, been married, that seems to be the <laughs> case. But I think they're looking for someone else <laughs> when they get there. Not if you're certain people, you know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I did though. Actually, not to the point of what I would call stalking, but I like or completion or complete. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> oh man. But but I would. I would like hold the mirror up and I would look at your hair and I would like. Then look at my hair, and I'll be like, ah, I feel inadequate a little bit. Um, and then I'll bust out the gel and like in a comb, and you know, kind of style it. But I never quite got there, uh, or I never felt like I did, at least. Yeah. Well, the pro- you gestured towards me like you combed it in a specific direction. Right. But right. at the time that I met you and you were stalking me, my hair went directly straight up to the sky. Oh, is that what it was? Both left and right parts. So converged so, so you want, i have a question for you matt since then why have you given up on your dreams <laughs> <laughs> they they were just unreachable unreachable and too time consuming no, each so, morning <laughs> so the, the, the hair the tower of hair only went so high it only it uh, yeah i could only go so far with it and um once i started feeling like the amount of gel it took right to do a faux hawk right and keep it there when when i naturally have an afro if I let this grow out, it's an afro. Okay, okay. So then I'll be Mr. Afro. But in order to save money on car insurance and hair gel and gray hairs, I get a lot of gray hairs. You get a lot of started, gray hairs? I just started parting, hard parting it right. Swoop right. left. Yeah, I, I think um, Done. Donald Trump also is part of uh, I can't talk now because it's biscuit in my mouth. <laughs> I'm trying to jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... No, I don't want to get on that. Bring up Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't want to. No. Let's not go down that road. Yeah, that's slippery. The eyes made me uh, <laughs> slip up here. It's okay. I can edit the biscuit out, John. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. So let's not let's not continue to talking code. You were impressed with his skills. I was okay. So <laughs> yeah. So I was when I was stalking you. Um, actually, I wasn't paying attention to your haircut. It's I made that up. Um, but I really, yeah. d- <laughs> I really did like your guitar playing. Um, you play guitar too, right? I do. Okay. I, do. I dabble with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and actually Matt Sickles, uh, for those of you who don't know us, which is probably most of the, most of our listeners, um, Matt Sickles plays in a, in a scub. Sc- I'll take over from here. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt plays in a couple of groups around town. He plays with uh, Dana Bear at um, at Hutchin Harris every other Wednesday. Every they were other, off this yeah. week, and they'll be back next week. Cause that's an eight to ten, is it? Yeah, not not next week. Not next week. Not next week. Yeah, we we'll be on the alternate Wednesdays. Though, okay. So the following. All right. So it's every second and fourth. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, for this month, it changes sometimes. So okay. He also plays in a band with me. Uh, it's called Six Styles, and uh, we're a, a wedding band that, if you're getting married, look us up. I mean, John Ray plays in the wedding band, too, but we'll deal with that rivalry uh, later. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he also plays, uh, I guess it's Gate City Boulevard now, what used to be Nisha and Company, um, with me as well, doing some jazz. We've done some High Point University gigs, all three of us together. Uh, we used to play in this other band, or I've subbed in another band with him uh, called 80s Enough, and we'll, we may or may not get to that, too. Um, 
He's oh, been it's there. Down. That's a lot of bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Golly. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so anyway, Matt is a ridiculous guitar player who does things on the guitar that I dreamed about, like, Bach doing on the guitar. When I was, when I dream about Bach playing guitar, it's like, <laughs> he does the kind of things that you do. But what if Bach were, like, playing guitar and Mozart was playing drums and Beethoven was uh, singing, <laughs> but like late Beethoven, like you know, seventy-year-old Beethoven, like like deaf Beethoven, deaf Beethoven. Yeah, what if so singing? Bach was playing guitar. So we'll this say is turning young, into we'll like say, a Helen Keller joke or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say young Bach. We'll say like twenty-year-old Bach. Okay. Uh, and then we got Mozart on drums, um, and Beethoven, like old Beethoven, singing. <laughs> Like the old type of old where like most people just sort of hum atonally all the time, like right. that old. Right, but he's a little louder because he's just kind of a fiery dude, so he's more like... Can you turn me up in the monitors? I can't hear myself. <laughs> this is reminding me of Talladega Nights when they're at the dinner table. <laughs> I like my Jesus to be like singing Leonard Skinner, yeah. <laughs> you know, front man for Leonard Skinner with wings. <laughs> That's how we're being with Bach and Beethoven right now. I like my Beethoven to be like lead guitar for Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I like the ten pound eight ounce version. <laughs> so anyway, that's what my dreams are like usually. Um, but it's to like the soundtrack of you playing guitar. That's like what Bach's doing on guitar, and Mozart's more, less like what John Green does on drums, and more like, um, what's the dude from Def Leppard? Yeah, you know who I'm talking I know, about. And I know what you want to say, but don't. <laughs> I'm not. I, didn't say, I just said what's his name. I yeah, don't remember I, I can't his name. remember his name. Yeah, but that's what Mozart's like on the drums, and maybe Ravel's playing percussion or something. That'd be cool. That French thing.
So, um, do you mind actually talking a little bit about like your upbringing, like your childhood, when you learned how to play, like how you got here? Because you're not from North Carolina. No. Obviously. Yeah, correct. I'm from AK Rowdy, Ohio, LeBron James Town. Proudly. <laughs> um, I got started. My dad had a wedding band just like we do um, when I was growing up, and I always went and watched him play, and I never really had an affinity for like guitar or anything. I always wanted to sing, and I'm not much of a singer. Um, but then, yeah, one day we were over at Grandma's house, and you know, just snooping around, look under the bed. There's a 1964 Jaguar, original. Sweet. Yeah, and so here we found out Grandma plays. So she hadn't played for like 20 years, so I convinced her to get back into it. So she took a few weeks to kind of like try to get back into it and remember some songs. So my playing started with her teaching me, and I would go over there every weekend. So my dad would go out of town and play gigs, and I'd go to Grandma's house with my brother, and she would sit down and teach me. But she doesn't know you know, theory or she doesn't read music or anything. She all plays all by ear, and she plays solo guitar. So she plays nice. the bass lines and the melodies and all that stuff, which is a big thing of mine now. Yeah. Uh, but the can't, it spawned from that, from seeing her do that. But she would teach me like old surf songs, Wipeout, you know, the ventures and all that stuff. So I grew up playing by rote, basically. She would just point, you know, or tell me where to put my fingers. Um, and then like not, not soon after that, um, started doing like talent shows and stuff with my brother. He played drums and uh, it just took off from there. We actually got to a point where... Um, we were booking weddings and stuff ourselves just as a two-piece as kids. So I think when I was like 13 years old, we did like 40 weddings in a summer. Really? Yeah, or not 40 not 40 weddings, I'm sorry, 40 gigs. I'm used to us always playing weddings, so yeah. I say weddings. 40 gigs in a summer at 13 <clears throat> years old. So I was able to pay for my own gear and start getting nicer equipment and stuff like that. And then uh, my dad's band split up, so we got him in the band, and I taught him how to play bass. And, and by taught him how to play bass, I pointed. You taught your dad how to play bass? Yeah, I just pointed at wow. the roots and he would and he's a really good singer. So once he joined me and Fred, he would sing and play bass. Um, and then anytime it was a harder song on bass, my brother would switch to bass because he would play like rush and all this stuff on bass. So they would just flip flop. Um, so then we did, you know, quite a few years like that as the Sickles Boys band or whatever, did weddings and all that stuff, car shows, played mostly like oldies music. And my first um, experience with improv was when we didn't have enough material you know or we're not in a situation where we can just call out tunes like i said i'm teaching my dad bass so we can't just get on a gig and i just call something yeah and like you know if i just get on a gig and call something you you've generally heard the song you know how it goes you know the uh the chord progression it's not like that with him so my first uh experience with with improv was knowing the pentatonic scale just just box one that's all i knew and um so I would play that into the ground, man, to try to buy some time. So every time we took solos, Johnny Be Good or anything, it was always the same sort of solo because uh, that's all I knew. And I didn't know any better. And, you know, like I said, my grandmother didn't take lessons or anything. She was all self-taught. So I finally got to the point where, you know, I needed to take some lessons. And my brother was getting on me. He's like, Matt, you know, like one scale. And he was he was right. <laughs> you know, so then then I got really serious about it. So by the time I got in high school and stuff like that, I was in like I wouldn't even eat lunch. I just go right to the practice room, start practicing other scales that I didn't know. And then I started getting really good at improvising in the sense of if I knew the key, I could play something pleasant, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, in high school, it just went further and further. I played in like the jazz band in high school. Um, but it always seemed like everything I did was beyond me at that moment. I don't even know why I was selected to do it. I shouldn't have been in the jazz band. I couldn't play jazz, but I was always 
oh, he plays guitar, get him in the jazz band, have him audition, yada, yada, so on and so forth. So I'd always end up in these scenarios where I had to sort of live up to people's standard of me as opposed to my own like level. So then I was all about going to school for music and jazz and stuff. And then, you know, went to school to Atlanta, moved here, know you guys. So that's kind of where that took off. But yeah, it all started with my grandmother just going to grandma's house and her kind of pointing at what to play. So, and even to this day, I still feel like I get in scenarios, especially with guys like yourselves where I'm in, you know, over my head and I just have to find a way to get the job done, the, either the job done if it's a gig or if I'm in a uh, jam scenario, I got to find a way to hang, you know, see, real quick. <laughs> see, I feel like when I play gigs with you, you're way, way up ahead of me. And I'm just kind of like, just like running as fast as I can to keep up. And I'm like, oh, what's that scale? Oh, it's already gone. <laughs> That's that pedal was school, something like once this. again, and, I just spoke yeah. of. That people, you know, if you if you you play, you know, well and you you start to develop a reputation for yourself, then people, they just keep setting that higher and higher and it's not actually there. You know, it's, that's imaginary. We'll see. You know? I don't, I don't imagine how much you crush the guitar. Like you, you just did it like a minute ago on the guitar. Well, that's, I appreciate it. Very nice <laughs> I, I guess, I guess it's nice to know that people have such, um, admiration for me as I do for them. Cause I feel the complete opposite. I feel like when I'm playing with you guys, um, and specifically yourself, because you're on a different instrument, you know, like if I play with Daniel and stuff, it's a little less, a little bit different because I can understand what he's doing to a certain degree. But for you to understand what I'm doing and not be a guitarist, you know, and just, just listening, you know, and understanding harmonically what I'm doing, you catch on to what I'm doing. You start doing my tricks, you know, as they sort of happen. Yeah. yeah. So I, I look at it as almost like, Oh crap! <laughs> He's on to me. I better yeah. bail out. You know? See, see, I can hear what you're doing because I've played music for 20 years. I can hear when you hit a diminished lick. I'm like, all right, he's, you know, playing a diminished scale over the major seven, you know, over that note. Uh, but I can't do it. You know, I'm still. I feel like I'm still in box one with a pentatonic scale compared to where you are. And I might be able to, I might be able to construct a bass line that roughly follows what you're doing. But I can't, I don't know, I feel like I'm just, like, you're way up here, and I'm just like, what is he doing? How does he do that <laughs> well, so fast? Well, I, pr- I promise that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> and anything that I did fast is because I did it a million times before right. I ever came to that moment. But um, but you also, w- what I can appreciate is you also um, recognize when I'm using diminished, not as diminished. Not right. a lot of people understand that, and no fault of theirs, it's... It's just a different way to think about it. So thinking of diminished over dominant chords, but you, you catch when I'm doing that as well. Yeah, I do, but I've never. Yeah, I do. I can't do it, but but that's but what I mean. But if you, yeah, but, but at that doing. at that particular moment, that's not your role. Right. Your role isn't to play back what I played. Your role is to hang with what I'm playing, and that's cool because you did. And then I feel like sometimes <laughs> you take a solo. I'm like, oh, dude, where did he go? You know, where what is this? And you got, and that's what I mean. Sometimes it's I'm in over my head. But by the end of it, I usually I usually find some way to right. to find myself in that piece of music. I may not be able to take it, you know, as far as I'd like to, based on my technique or my abilities. But I definitely hear it, right? You know, and I think that you know, what you guys had said in a previous podcast, you know, just trying to get trying to play what you hear is it's 
almost impossible sometimes, at least for me, even with um, an extreme amount of technique or practice on technique. There's still times where I can't achieve what I heard. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I can understand it when it happened in my head. So I go home and I practice it. So it's different for me when I hear you solo, you know, or you do something. I can understand what you did. Yeah. But I can't play it back, which is the same (laughs) thing you just said about me. You understood it, but you couldn't play it back. Right. So, you know, but that's. That's what's so cool about it, man, because we'll, you'll grow that way or maybe you'll, you know, some of what I did might rub off on your playing and vice versa. Yeah. So yeah. that's why it's cool to play with players who are doing that. You right. Know? Right. Um, or play gigs where you can try those things. Yeah. So Nisha, so we played a gig together like Saturday morning <laughs> at 7 a.m. This We played a gig together, all, all three of us with uh, an amazing singer, Nisha DeMeo. And uh, we were hanging out after the gig, after you had to go to your other gig um and i was you know i was kind of bitching i was like man matt is so ridiculous like i can't (laughs) like how do i even step up and like play a solo after that dude like how do i like what am i supposed to do and she she said kind of the same thing you did she was like but she phrased it in a way she said you know you'll never play like matt sickles like no matter how much you practice you're never going to play like matt sickles and you shouldn't even try But he will never play like John Ray, no matter how much he practices and tries. Like, so all you can really do is is do your own thing. Like practice. You know, I need to focus on practicing John Ray. And I'd like to cut in here because you you talked about um, playing like you or, or just sort of having your stamp and you know playing like Matt and playing like John. Like, how do you figure out? And I mean, I'm asking for the listener, kind of being on the outside here. How do you figure out what that is? Because, you know, we all listen to uh, each other. We're all influenced um, on each other. And some people I know, they talk about, okay, I just do my thing. And they almost use that as an excuse to never learn anything new. So I want to first clarify that that's not what we're talking about. Correct. Um, So now that that's out of the way, how do we figure out, how do we find our voice? How do we determine, okay, I'm being the most me right now as humanly possible, uh, and I'm not trying to emulate someone else in the moment? That's a good question. I think, so so when I'm sitting at home practicing, a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn the things that you're doing, like... You showed me some stuff the first time we played together, like some some tapping stuff, and I'm still working on that and and trying to to get like the very first lick you showed me down, and and incorporate that into my playing. But even working on that, even if I spend every day working on things I'm learning from you, it's still becoming me. It's still building building into my sound because as I practice it, I'm incorporating that into my own voice. So when you say, you know, I want to be able to play like that, what is it that you actually say? Because you still want to be you. You want to, like, take that and assimilate it into what I'm doing already? Or because, you know, I mean, yes and no. I don't want to get too philosophical with it. Like, I'd say that it's almost literally impossible not to sound like you. As much as you tried, it was, it's humanly impossible to sound like someone else. I mean, there are, like, clones out there, especially with... Uh, like Beatles tribute bands. I don't know what that really popular one that plays in D- Disney World all the time. They yeah. really nail yeah. that stuff, right? Yeah. And some people yeah. can play like Jimmy and have all the um, Stevie Ray Vaughan licks down so to the point where you close your eyes and you don't really know who you're talking to, yeah. right? But it, it takes almost as much discipline to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and classical musicians, their whole thing 
as far as I understand it, because I'm not a classical musician, is interpretation, right? You're trying to play um, these parts and reproduce these parts like to a to a T. Right. There's not much wiggle room for in, embellishment if, you know, depending on your conductor and whoever is arranging it. So with that being said, is there even cause to worry that you won't sound like you? if you already are kind of doomed to that in the beginning. So I've heard players, especially young players. So, so guys in school, um, their teachers will assign them, you know, all of Oscar Peterson's solos. And so they spend years transcribing one dude or all of Miles' solos. And they end up sounding, you know, even when they're making up their own stuff, they end up sounding like Miles or Oscar Peterson. But, but then as they mature, as they get older, that just becomes their own voice. You know, it incorporates into their own playing. So, so I kind of agree with you and kind of disagree with you. It's, it's possible to sound like somebody else if you kind of devote too much time to, to learning their stuff. But eventually, as you keep playing, um, you're going to just build your own voice. So do you think there exists, and I've done zero research on this at all, like a golden ratio of like transcribing to like kind of working – um, your own ideas out or is working your ideas out sort of what happens naturally as you age and you play in real time with other musicians because you know there are things that you know you play when you're on a gig especially when you're improv uh, improving that you know, may be a result of things that you learn from other people but they're different you mm-hmm. know and because they have the influence of the moment and influences of like but the chemical makeup of whatever jam is happening, you know, which only happens once in a lifetime. So that experience is wholly unique and yeah. is forever left its stamp on your playing anyway. Yeah. Is there is there a golden ratio of transcribing and getting out there and like trying to work out something that is unique? I, th- I mean, how do you approach it? Yeah, and I, this one really hits home with me because in the last couple of years, I mean, I've been tra- transcribing like crazy more than I ever have, um, specifically in jazz and in solo arrangements. I'll learn a lot of people's solo arrangements before I ever even do my own. Yeah. And some of that will make its way in there, um, but it just gets me in sort of in the ballpark. So I, I have realized that I don't want to play um, somebody's solo verbatim or something or arrangement or anything, but like, for example, like, um, you know, learning giant steps, but in order to solo on giant steps, you know, and I've been in scenarios where I was asked to. So now it's like, I have no choice, but to be disciplined and work on giant steps. But, um, and that'll go into the true, the true improvising or, you know, prepared practice sort of topic. But anyways, on the transcription level, it was so confusing to me, you know, cause I know, I know all the theory, I know all the scales that go with these chords, but man, they're burning through those chords and there's no way I'm going to make it through the entire scale before the chords over. So my first step was, okay, well, I'll transcribe the John Coltrane solo, but it doesn't help me to play his solo for verbatim because right. most, most of us have heard that enough. We know exactly what solo that is. Um, and if you listen to a lot of guys, you'll, you'll hear a lot of that same, that same phrasing, that one, two, three, five mm-hmm. up the arpeggios and stuff. But I had to start somewhere just to get me in the ballpark to where if I understand enough, then it starts to trigger my innate ability or or my prepared ability. Um, so once I started seeing how Coltrane handled it, and it was it was it's actually very basic. It's a very simple concept, and he uses maybe these three or four licks several times in a six chorus. 
uh, endeavor that he takes, you know, and he'll keep hitting that same lick or a variation of it. It's always very close, paraphrased. Yeah. And uh, once I accepted that, that that was okay, it's okay to hit that same lick a, cu- a couple times. John Coltrane did it. You know, we're not going to yeah. shame him. Yeah. But then everyone else who's ever played it since then has taken, you know, that general same approach that there are certain licks you can keep hitting again or there's certain, um, uh, not trick or just a way to play through giant steps. But it, it took me transcribing something just to get me in the ballpark. Now I need to find me in giant steps, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I can play giant steps. And we played a little bit on Saturday, and I've been playing it. Yeah, and I've been playing it every week now with Dana. Um, sometimes good, sometimes not. A lot of times it's just trying to keep the form. Yeah. You know, and not even what you played, but just trying to keep the form. But what I noticed is I get to the point where I'm playing through giant steps, and it's not a problem. But am I improvising on giant steps? And that's that's why I keep working on it. Mm-hmm. Not so that I can go up and down arpeggios or use little tricks like flatten threes, flatten fives, like we were discussing on Saturday. Yeah. Like, those all help me, and I, you need to practice that so that you, so that you can call upon them when you need them. But at the same time, that's the challenge of giant steps. Can you improvise on giant steps? And I don't know truly that John Coltrane actually did that. You know, I think I think he was. That's what he was striving for. But unfortunately, on the recording, that's where we're where we're at. It's a lot of pattern, a lot of pattern playing and stuff like that. And that's no absolutely no diss to Coltrane. That's probably what would end up happening if I did it. But that's that's what was so cool about it, is that's what he was striving for, is, you know, the true improvisation of it. But I don't want to play his whole solo front to back. I want to get the gist and then find myself.
I asked you about pattern playing. What do you mean when you pattern say playing? That? Mm-hmm. Um, things that can come out of you know your muscle memory, just automatically, um, without thought. So like for example, you hit that that first um, four bars of Giant Steps, um, right? Yeah. And that's the rest of it's two five one, two five one, two five one. So we all know those licks. That's one oh one for when you're learning how to improvise in jazz. But those are patterns too. So what ends up happening is when you're playing giant steps, you hear a lot of people do exactly um, the Coltrane solo, the uh You know, and they're constantly one one, two, yeah. three, five in it. And that's okay. And you can learn that all over the neck. But then when you go to play your solo, like I would do, I'd learned that. And then when I'd go to do solos, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And, um, and, and John hit it on the head Saturday. We started playing and I was getting kind of trying to get into it a little bit. So I started with that. And he goes, I, w- I was wondering how long you were going to play the Coltrane solo. And I said, I was trying to get just, just enough into the song that I was in the mood. You know, that I felt like I was getting a rhythm about myself and then it was on to myself. And if you listen to the rest of that solo, much of it may, may be regrettable, but I'm going for it. You know, but right. I started with just kind of get get my wits about me, get my, my bearings and started out with not exactly the Coltrane solo, yeah. but close enough because really you hear those patterns. We've mm-hmm. all heard those patterns. Um, so trying to come up with new patterns to practice across the neck so that I can just keep going and I don't get lost you know, but that's that's the instrument, you know, the, fa- the facilitation across the instrument. But eventually I have to improvise. So usually I'll take a couple choruses and you'll think I'm killing it or something, you know, like, wow, he just has no problem playing that because it's patterns because I'm playing patterns. It's just like if I do, you know, like we mess around at the end of American Girl. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's patterns. You right, know, it's not right. true improvis- improvisation. So there's something Why? to be said. I'm sorry. Uh, I, that's You're kind of getting closer to my question. Why? Why isn't that not true improvisation? Because I can smile at Tim while I'm doing it. <laughs> 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 I, sometimes I have no regard for what I'm actually playing. Because it, in gigs like that, the cover band gig, there's a lot that's just plug in and play. And it's the right. same way for patterns. But the first time I ever played it was improvised. And then I went back and listened to it and went, oh, that's cool. I'm going to keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. So there, I, I do like that. But, yeah, then it ends up just being sort of a, uh, a pattern that you can call upon. But, uh, you know, the guys that are, like, really chromatic, Daniel Serif. Yeah, he he can crush on it. Like, Oh, my goodness. And uh, and we've gotten together and played played Giant Steps a couple times. I mean, we, we play every week, and we, play, we try to play some heavy stuff. But we also try to just play um, – off each other so we can take a simple tune like a blues but then see how far one another can take it but i don't hear patterns i don't hear par- patterns and, and ever since um i started you know having the the blessing of playing with somebody like that weekly who who's willing to sit down with you and, mm-hmm. and whoop you <laughs> you know um then i started realizing what it really is to improvise you know and i don't know that he's truly doing it 100 percent, but he's trying that's his goal. Yeah. So then I was like, that's got to be my goal. So like I was saying about the sweet picking and stuff that failed me the other day, because I quit doing that. I, I'm really trying to get in touch with what you're saying, you know, trying to make it not about a tran- something I transcribed. That's going to automatically play itself because I've practiced it, you know. So it's trying to find that balance between f- facilitating my instrument and not letting that be the reason I can't 
get what what's out in my head or whatever, you know. Okay. I don't know if I answered your question. You, 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 you're actually I'm, I'm trying to get you closer. I know, uh, I know, um, man. It was a lot. It, it's all good. <laughs> um, so you're not reinventing the wheel when you play guitar, so to speak. Correct. Like there, there are scales. There, there's a certain framework of of thing that you can do. Within that, what what would you consider improvising versus not, and why can't why isn't it that we can't use patterns to improvise? Or like, is there is there a divide between sort of this automatic pattern playing or manipulating a pattern in a moment, even in a new way that makes that also improvisation? Yeah, I th- I think um, what I'm referring to is like the actual definition of improvisation, or if you talk to a cat. What they're gonna say it is. Meow. What I what? Yeah. <laughs> Give us one, John. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you talk to a cat, you know, a jazz musician or something, what they would say, and that's mm. what's been beat into my soul because I'm I've never was a jazz musician. I was a you know Van Halen guitarist, sure. you know, sort of thing. But I would say, in my opinion, my definition or my experience with improvisation has been that me manipulating patterns that I've already played before so I didn't do them the same way twice or maybe not in the same spot twice or maybe not the same rhythmic concept twice but yeah it is a pattern Mm -hmm. you know but that's that's what I mean that's that's my hand helping me out my hand knows the pattern but then my musical self is what determines how it's played so you're you're for the most part I think you're you got there um you're really defining what I call the difference between phrasing and a lick correct yeah. Something that yeah. you play and you can manipulate freely versus something that every time you play it is the exact same way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something that and that's usually what I practice and like the tapping licks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That that seems like a lick, but I can actually manipulate it and use it for the for the most part. I really haven't come into a scenario where I couldn't use it. So whether it's major, minor, diminished, dominant, or it's something superimposed over it, if you're playing major and I'm playing minor up a third, like those are there. Those are programmed in my hands, but I don't have to play them the same way. I can bail out at any point. I can use them a little differently. So I try to do that. I really try to, if it's going to be a pattern or a lick, it has to be something that I can manipulate or it's not worth practicing. If and it has to be that same way, then I don't want to play it. And that's because you've practiced it enough that it's, that it's a vocabulary. So you've got this lick, you've, you've got this diminished lick that you've practiced 550 times and you've practiced it so much that you don't have to think about it. It's just it's a piece of a phrase or a phrase for mm-hmm. you. So you're you're putting this thing together in your head as you know improvising, and and you use this piece and you put it in there like like a word, like the word word, mm-hmm. or like the word best, or you know I've got the best words. It's like <laughs> <laughs> okay, Donald Trump. Welcome to Mr. Haircut. You have the best words, Mr. Trump. What are you talking about? It's gonna be huge, <laughs> but so so John and I had this kind of argument in the first episode is how music is or is not like a language, and I would say that this is how it is like a language. This is this doesn't make it a language, but it is a similarity sure. to to a language. Is that you can construct these phrases. So like you're trying to say something, and you have this lick that is a lick because you've practiced it a million times and you know what it is but it fits together and you use it as a word, as a way to say something, as a way to to convey your idea. Yeah. And that, I think, as we mature, 
as all of us mature. So like when you're 70 years old and you're playing guitar, you will have these licks so so down that you're not thinking you're not thinking licks, you're not thinking scales, you're not thinking phrasing at all. You you sit down to play a solo and you're like you know, I want to talk about the sun. And you play a solo and it's and it's just this idea. And you're using all these things that you've practiced for 50 years, but but you're not thinking that at all. You're just conveying your message, which is something much more broad and which which is the language part, which is why I think music is a language is because once we get good enough, we can use these licks and these things we've practiced for years and years to convey our ideas. When I think too, um, you know, because the argument can go can go either way. But what I like the most about its uh, conversational side, or the, the the fact that I can convey, I can literally not say anything to you. You know, I could not speak to you, but you know exactly what I'm doing. Like kind of what we were talking about earlier. If I play something. I take it somewhere, you recognize what it was, then the next time around you got it or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I like that side of it. Um, I don't know that I play as well of the language side of it, as in it's not as free to me as, like, when I speak. You ask me a question, I can answer it. Yeah. But I have to answer it using words I know and, you know, the way that I articulate myself. So I kind of look at it sometimes like you're, you know, just depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. What do they know? What what big words or not big words do they understand? Or you know, sometimes when I'm talking to my parents, I talk a, talk one way and I don't talk another way because they're your parents, you know. Yeah. Or sometimes I t- I speak one way with somebody because I know they don't know very much outside themselves, so I don't want to make them feel bad, you know, things like that. So I like the side of it of um, you know a great musician if I can play something, but I didn't have to sit here and tell you what it was. That's all the time we've got for today on Mr. Haircut, but keep your eyes open for next week's episode that I'll release on Friday the 13th. It's going to be a very special show that will feature the second half of this conversation with Matt Sickles and also the release of my brand new tune, Tidal Motion, as well as another live recording from a gig Jonathan did with one of his groups. Be sure to check out our website, mrhaircut.org, where you can stream all of our episodes and download all the music we put on the show, all for free. Thanks for listening. I'm John Ray, and my co-host and snuggle partner is Jonathan Green.
So hard part. Didn't you have a, a quote about improv you were telling me about? Yeah, something uh, to live by. Some words of wisdom from a from from a very wise man. Mm-hmm. They talk about it in acting class, being in the moment. When you're not worrying about where you've been or what you're doing, you're right there. I think that is vital to good acting that is spontaneous.